<laughs> awesome. I'm so incredibly proud of our youth ministry. And um, I don't know of too many youth ministries that will do missions trips to country towns uh, around Australia. It's just phenomenal. And so I'm so wrapped with that, so grateful uh, for Reese and Holly who run our kids, min- I'm sorry, our youth ministry. Uh, I just know that, um, you know, when they get the opportunity to serve, it's one of the best ways to grow in the things of God. And so it's absolutely awesome. Uh, in just a moment, uh, we're going to receive our regular tithes and offerings. So if you're prepared tonight, uh, feel free to uh, get that ready. Uh, if it's more convenient for you to give by credit card, feel free to use one of our giving cards which will be on the seat that you're on uh, on the seat next to you uh, but before we receive and also to a lot of our church most of our church actually give online so I want to say a big thank you to all of those that do that really really appreciate it before we receive it uh, I just want to share a thought with you um, it's from John 3 16 a pretty well-known uh, scripture it says for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life I actually love that verse because it actually shows us, even there in the salvation of the world, principles of giving and receiving. You know, Bible says God so loved the world that He gave. You may have heard this morning, Pastor Sanjay was preaching and he talks about the attitude, but he also talks about the action as well. That we might have a heart attitude with something, but that's to be expressed. And one of the ways that we can express our love is actually through giving. God did that for us by giving us His Son. And one of the ways that we can express our love to Him is actually through our giving. But not only that, the Scripture says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So when God gave, He didn't just give and just discard. He gave His Son because He knew He was going to receive something in return. And the thing that He knew He was going to receive in return is actually us. So He gave expecting a harvest. And in the same way, all through the Scripture, it tells us that when we give, we can actually expect a harvest in return as well. That when you give to the Kingdom of God, you're not just discarding and throwing away. You're sowing and investing in the Kingdom of God, but you're also opening up blessing over your own life as well. And so if you're here tonight and you're prepared to give, I just want to encourage you that the Scripture tells us that when we give, we'll actually be blessed as well. Grab your offering if you got it today and let's pray. Father, I thank You for the opportunity to give. I thank You, Lord, that as we give, we know, Lord, that just like You gave, You expected a return. That we know, Lord God, that when we give, that we'll have an eventual harvest as well. We thank You for all that You've done for us. And we thank You, Lord God, for even more that You're going to do. We thank You and praise You for it, Lord. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Awesome. If the usher could come past with the buckets, that would be cool. Uh, just another thing before I introduce our speaker, um, and that is that we have... Uh, there's special birthdays every day, but we have an extra special birthday today. And that is uh, our campus pastor of Pimpamar, Pastor Matt Triagas. It's his birthday today. And uh, he was telling me, how old are you, mate? 27. I remember 27. It was, it was last century. And uh, praise God. So I think it would be appropriate if we sang happy birthday to him. What do you reckon? Okay, so could you stand up like a good boy? And uh, we're going to sing happy birthday to Pastor Matt. Ready? Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy Awesome. (laughs) 
We're sending them to Chambers Flat. <laughs> Praise God. Well, tonight it's my honour to introduce to you our guest speaker. He preached this morning at Reedy Creek and did a phenomenal job. Sanjay Robin Stevenson and their children have been great personal friends of ours for many, many years. In fact, Sanjay and I were groomsmen in each other's weddings. Uh, and so that's how long ago that we've known each other. He's a great man of faith. His family is originally, originally here from King's Church. And actually, I'd like to introduce his mum to you. She's come and visited tonight, Rohini Stevenson. Rohini's just over here. Rohini, could you stand up? So I think the family got, got saved here, is that right, 40 years ago when the church first got started and left about 35 years ago, something like that, as missionaries to India. So it was absolutely awesome. So welcome home. Uh, it's always it's, uh, wonderful to have you here. And so Sanjay's here, he's preaching tonight. He's a phenomenal preacher. We've been on team together for many years at IC Church. He and Robin are now planting a church in Mumbai, India, doing a phenomenal job. I went and preached there last year to see the kids from slums that are going there getting saved, to see the Hindus and the Muslims getting saved. It's absolutely phenomenal. In India, it's a very even the churches are incredibly religious but they've gone there and just brought a fresh fire and a fresh wind and a fresh realness and it's just incredible what we're doing so I'm incredibly honoured that he would be here today and he'd be ministering the word to us so why don't you stand to your feet and welcome Pastor Sanjay Stevenson come on give Jesus a big clap Fantastic. On your way down to your seats, give someone a high five and say, I have a feeling this might be good. <laughs> well, it's a, a real pleasure to be here uh, tonight. I really enjoyed myself this morning. And as Pastor Ben uh, mentioned, my parents got saved in this church uh, when I was just a little baby. And uh, so that holds a special place in my heart to be here. This church has got a great heritage and uh, you've got an even better future. Do you believe that? And so we're going to have a good time tonight. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of uh, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 54. And uh, when you get there, say, yeah. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. Very good. And if you're you're still turning and you want me to hold up, just say, hold up. I'm holding. Good. Anyone else? All right. Can't hold forever, though. (laughs) Isaiah 54 and verse 17. I'm going to read uh, first from the King James Version. It says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. What a great passage of Scripture. I'm going to read it again, just in a slightly different translation. It says, But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice that's raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. This message is not for everyone, just the people who know what it's like to come under attack sometimes. Give me a wave if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, The message is called, and if you're writing notes, you can write this at the top of your page. This is called, You're Coming Out. You're Coming Out. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to ask for your spirit to come and bring revelation to our hearts right now. Lord, I pray for a spirit of encouragement as well.
That, Lord, when we walk out of this building, we'll walk out with greater faith than when we walked in. That we'll feel a sense of strength that comes from You. Because You said, Lord, in Your Word, that when we are weak, we will come into such a great sense of revelation of who You are and who You are for us, even in times of battle and opposition, Lord God. I thank You for that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. The second uh, translation I read out, started by saying, but in that coming day, in that coming day, that means that the promise we just read, when it was written, was talking about the future. That there is going to come a day, he's, he's prophesying, and the people that would have originally heard it knew what it was like to go through a hard time, knew what it was like to be oppressed, knew what it was like to need deliverance. And he was prophesying to them and say, there's going to come a day when no weapon that's formed against you is going to prosper. But you know, the exciting thing about their future is the fact that their future is actually our present. When it says that coming day, it's talking about this day, the day after the Messiah comes, the people of God are going to have a promise. And that promise is that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. If you're excited about that, say yes. So what we find in this promise, in this prophecy, is that their future is our current reality. This passage, this promise is more real today than it ever was in Jesus' name. Now, I, wanna, I just want to talk a little bit about this passage for a little while. It might seem at first like it sounds a little bit negative, but I, I need to explain something to get to the good part. Are you following me? No weapon formed against me. When I was younger, I used to think that it was speaking about no weapon that was used against me. As if, you know, if a sword was taken out and swung at me, that's formed against me, it would not prosper. I used to think that until I did a little bit of a word study and looked into that a little bit. And it's actually talking about something a little bit more, uh, more purposeful than just a random weapon that might be swung at you. What it actually is talking about when it says no weapon formed against you, the literal translation is talking about the forging process that a blacksmith would go through to make a weapon. Not swing a weapon, to make a weapon. Now watch this. I, I sometimes watch uh, YouTube videos, just interesting ones, random ones. And I've recently been watching uh, uh, blacksmiths, modern day blacksmiths make things. It's completely fascinating. The fact that someone could put a hunk of steel into a furnace, heat it up so red hot and then start pounding it into shape. And over a long, long period of time, they can create something and make something. So that's the sort of picture that you've got to have in mind when this scripture, when this promise is spoken. No weapon that's formed again. It actually means, it doesn't mean you won't have trouble. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have someone or an enemy that doesn't have evil intentions towards you. It's actually saying you will have an evil enemy that has evil intentions towards you. In fact, it even saying that there is an enemy that is sitting there and forming something that was designed specifically to take you out. He's not talking about a random swing of a sword. He's talking about a blacksmith 
the enemy. It's a picture. It's a, it's a symbolic picture. It's talking about the blacksmith that he's forging something. And when the blacksmith is forging and forming, he's thinking about the purpose of the weapon or the tool that he is making. I'm making this tool for this purpose. There's an enemy out there that thinks through strategies and plans about how to take you out. I want you to understand that if you've ever received an attack of the enemy in life, they're not random. You didn't just stumble across a demonic activity and you could just walk away from it. No, there is someone out there that thinks about your future and your destiny and thinks to himself, how am I going to stop that person or that family or that church doing what God wants them to do? Come on, somebody, if you, if you know what I'm talking about, just give me a wave of the hand. So there is actually an enemy that sits there pondering. Planning, thinking, forging and forming that particular thing that is designed with you in mind. And you might think that's negative, but it's a little bit of a compliment as well. If someone's going to that much trouble to stop you, it must mean that you're deadly to them. Come on, somebody. The glass is not always half empty, it's sometimes half full. Right? If, if the enemy is going to so much trouble to think, ponder, strategize and plan just about you, just about your family, there must be something about your family that is troubling to the enemy. Talk about churches. If the, if the enemy has ever had a go at your church, come on somebody if you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever thought back over the, the things that have come against you as a church, you think about this. The enemy is so concerned about you that he would take time and ponder and think and plan and forge and make things to form against you, to use against you. You must be scary to the devil. It's formed something. A formed weapon indicates a plan. The fact that the enemy is forming something for you means that he's got a plan. A formed weapon indicates a plan. A plan indicates a goal and an end point. He, the enemy has got a goal and an end point in mind. I know this is sounding discouraging at the moment, but it's going to get good really soon. So when the enemy thinks about you, he's got an end point. He, th he thinks to himself, I want to take them from that place to that place. He's looking at you in church, praising God, all full of faith. He goes, how can I take that person from that place of faith to that place of discouragement? He's got an end point in mind and he's forming a weapon to do it. How can I get that person to follow from following the call of God to giving up on ministry? He's got an end point. He's got an end point in mind. Maybe I can introduce that relationship into their life. Maybe I can introduce that distraction, that temptation, that, come on somebody. So he's got an end point in mind. But I want to tell you tonight, I've got great news for you. A weapon is not the only thing that's being formed. And a, the weapon is not the only thing that has been formed. Because my Bible says in Psalm 139 verse 14, it says, you, meaning God, you formed me. You formed my inner, inner, inner parts and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Before the devil had you in mind, God had you in mind. 
and He was thinking about you and He was forming you and He was pondering your plan, the plan and purpose that He had for your life and He's, he's forming you in your mother's womb. He's thinking about, He's shaping your personality. He's shaping your personality traits. He's shaping your giftings, the way you would look. Why? Because, because a formed weapon, come on somebody, you're the formed weapon now. A formed weapon indicates a plan. Sometimes we can be so obsessed with, oh, I'm under attack. Oh, I'm under attack. You don't understand. The enemy's under attack because God formed you before the, we- the weapon that's being used against you was ever formed in the mind of the enemy. Before that, were you in the mind of Christ? So you're formed and a formed weapon indicates a plan. And a plan, a plan indicates an end point and a goal. God has got a goal for your life. God has got a plan for your life. Sometimes when you're going through a difficult time, the best thing you can do is say, God, what's the end point plan? What's the goal? Where am I headed right now? Put some context around the challenge you're going through. Hmm. A plan and a purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11, the famous passage. For I know the plan. This is the Lord speaking. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not evil to give you a future and a hope. That discouraging outlook you've been looking at, pondering over, meditating on, that might be the wrong plan. That might be the enemy's plan. You've got to lift your eyes off that plan and look at the the original plan. The plan that before you were even born, he thought about you. He formed you. That's why the devil's so scared of you. Have you ever wondered why do we have to go through such a hard time? Have you ever thought to yourself, only the people that have actually been under attack and know what that's like. Have you ever thought to you, have you ever thought to yourself, why does my family have to go through all this? Why does our church have to, why how come our church went through all that? Because you've got a plan and a purpose. And a plan, watch this. A plan and a purpose indicates movement. Come on, somebody. You're not just sitting here growing spiritually. Spiritually speaking, you're moving somewhere. There's a plan. You might not even know where you're moving toward. You might not even understand the plans that God has for your life, for your family, for your church, for your children. But I want you to understand that when you acknowledge that there's a plan for your life, you also got to acknowledge there is movement in your life. There is something that you're heading towards and you might not see it fully. fully. You might not understand it yet, but you're moving. When God called Abraham, He said, go to the land I will show you. In other words, start moving. Abraham could have said, where am I going? He said, I'll tell you later. Just start moving. Go to the land that I will show you. When is He going to show you? I'll show you when you get there. You'll know when you get there, but just make sure you're moving. Make sure you're looking at God's intention for your life. Make sure you're not looking at the discouragement, the things that have gone wrong, the mistakes you've made, the temptations you've failed. You're looking at the wrong plan. Look at the plans of God for your life because plans indicate purpose and purpose indicates movement. I want you to understand something else. I'm just kind of walking through a string of scriptures. I'm not even going to preach long. You're going to like the ending though. When I think of movement, I think of a famous passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, you can write it down if you want. Verses 18, this is Jesus Talking, he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Meaning the church. The context is 
Jesus is saying, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Okay? The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And we know if you've been around the church for a little while, you'll know that the church is not a building. Come on, somebody. Church is not an organization. The church is not a legal structure. The church are people. People, the persons that are dedicated to Jesus Christ form the church. So let me put it like this. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. You can say me. The gates of hell will not prevail against me. The gates of hell will not prevail against my family. The gates of hell will not prevail against King's Christian Church. That's what you can say in context, accurately. That's your scripture. Hmm. When I was younger, I used to hear people talk about things like attacks of the devil. And uh, when you don't understand a context, but you hear information, sometimes that information can trouble you. It doesn't have to trouble you. So when I was little, I grew up in the church. I remember being in this church under chairs as a little three-year-old falling asleep. My parents went to every possible meeting they heard about. Like if there, there was an AGM meeting, my dad didn't even know what it was. He said, well, let's go to the AGM meeting. Just on, and so I grew up listening, listening to the things of God, listening, watching songs being sung on stage, listening to preachers, and I'd hear the conversation. I hear people think, say, oh, I'm under attack. You know, lately I feel under attack by the enemy. And I thought, oh, that, that sounds scary. And, and, and here's the thing. Over the years, even as a teenager, I'd hear about things about, you know, someone having a devil cast out of them. And, all, and, and I, I didn't think, wow, the devil was cast out. I just thought, oh, that sounds scary. Like 